Good day everyone. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Crystaline. Jennifer here. This is Rika. And this, this is our first episode of Table Talk Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Spotify and Wattipad. You're listening to a new episode of Table Talk, the podcast of the National Dish of the Philippines. Our topic for today is really interesting. Can you guys get our topic? Yes, it is interesting, and I don't know exactly what it is. I guess it's about our country and being makabayan. Food is at the foundation of all life. It is the basic necessity of man. Anyone who visits a Philippine home, no matter what time of day, is offered food. Filipino dishes are based on more unique tastes and textures. Instead of serving courses separately, they are all brought to the table at one time so the dinners can enjoy all flavors and dishes together. Many Filipinos use kumain kanaba or have you eaten yet as a general greeting to each other. A lot of dishes you can find in Filipino cuisine. It can be high in calories with a poor balance of macronutrients. As a lot of the calories came from fats and sugar, since a lot of Filipino food contains fatty meats and highly caloric sauces, it is difficult to find dishes that are ideal for losing weight. So, Filipino food may not be as famous as its Thai and Vietnamese neighbors. But with more than 7,000 islands and more colorful history in our archipelago, this comes with a delicious dishes of its own. We are blessed with an abundance of seafood because we are in a tropical country. We also encounter a lot of tropical fruits and creative cooks. There is also an influence in other country or, or our colonizer before. The creative cooks and there is more Filipino food that mind-blowing like balot, chicharon, and many more you can find in street. You just have to know where to find them and how to eat them. Now, is eating Filipino food part of being nationalistic? Hmm. The relationship between food and identity is not a new one. Beyond the dinner table, social scientists have long studied the role of gastronomy in cultural identity. As the anthropologist Arjun Appadurai defined it, food is a highly condensed social fact. In the words of Levi Strauss, food can be compared to the language and its power to express social structures and cultural systems. Therefore, basically, the story of a nation's diet is the story of a nation itself. Its episodes of colonialism and migration trade and exploration. Food is a symbol of cultural exchange, but most importantly, cultural integrity. It's like motto, you are what you eat. Now, why is it important for us to be aware of our national dish? Hmm. Bakit nga ba? A national dish is important because it gives title to the country and food-related identity. And speaking of country's culture, not everyone is going to love food from their country. And some may be more popular than others too. And here are some reasons why people love other dishes or didn't love their national dishes. So the national dishes are part of national identity. 
and a self-image because during the age of European, uh, this is the way for them to distinguish themselves or their cuisines to their rivals. That's why dishes is made up to be a national. The Philippines is known for having an abundance of beautiful beaches and delicious fruit. The collection of islands is located in Southeast Asia and was named after King Philip II of Spain. Here are 10 interesting facts Here about we go. the Philippines. Let's talk about some of the most popular Filipino food, such as Halo Halo. This is the best Filipino dessert. Tapsilog, the king of the Filipino breakfast. Lechon, it is a roasted sakong pig. Sinigang, um, a sour meat stew. Kinilaw, it is a raw fish salad. Kare-kare, it is a oxtail stew. Balot, the Filipino kinder surprise. It is a surprise. Chicken adobo. And this is our most Filipino famous dish. For the people who love Filipino food, we feed them and entertain them and we make sure that they are comfortable and when they leave we even send them with take home package with food that they enjoyed and when we cook for a family we make sure that we feed them with food made with love and fresh ingredients why adobo is the famous dish in the philippines because adobo is one of the most popular Filipino dishes and is considered unofficial by many as a national dish. It is usually consists of pork or chicken, sometimes both, stewed or braised in a sauce usually made from vinegar, cooking oil, garlic, bay leaf, peppercorns, and soy sauce. Adobo was a traditionally cooked in clay pots, but today it's made in more common metal pots or woks. When the Spanish invade and settled in the Philippines during the 16th century, they witnessed these traditional Filipino cooking methods and called adobo, which is the Spanish word for marinade. Like many cultures, based in a warm climate, Filipino natives developed various methods of preserving food. Adobo utilizes the acid in the vinegar and the high salt content of soy sauce to produce the undesirable environment of bacteria. Its delicious flavor and preserving qualities serve it to increase adobo's popularity. The adobo was traditionally cooked in clay pots, but today is made in more common metal pots or rocks. The Spanish invaded and settled in the Philippines during 16th century. They witnessed this traditional Filipino cooking method and called it adobo which is the Spanish word for marinade. Although there are basic adobo ingredients, you may find other ingredients that have been included. Vinegar and soy sauce are the heart of adobo. But over the centuries, other liquids have occasionally been added to brine. Some varieties include coconut milk, which mellows the strong flavors of the vinegar and soy sauce. Others include sugar or honey to add a touch of sweetness and an almost teriyaki-like characteristic. 
The flavor of adobo can also be varied depending on the type of vinegar used. Before anything else, we prepared some jokes for you. What do you get when you put three ducks in a box? What? what? Eddie, a box of quackers. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get? Sorry, natatawa na ako, okay? What do cats call mice on skateboard? What? what? Eddie, meals on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> what do French fries do when they meet after a long time? What? They catch up. They catch up. What do you call an upset brownie? What? Eddie, frowny. <laughs> I want to share something and this is very useful and this is my experience because in my opinion cooking is the best hobby to have because it can be useful in life cooking is my hobby and has been in for several years I was about five years old when I started learning how to cook cooking is something that I inherited from my grandmother my grandmother was a professional chef and owned her own restaurant in where I learned how to cook. After I finished getting my nursing and business degrees, I would like to go to culinary school like my grandmother and open my own restaurant or become a culinary professor and share my love of cooking with someone who shares the same passion for cooking as I do. There are so many reasons I love to cook. Cooking is one of those things that just comes naturally for me. And I think I inherited it because I can cook almost anything and nail it for the first try. Much like my grandmother. But the main reason I love to cook is because it keeps me stress-free. For example, when I am cooking, I have very little time to think. Because the cooking is challenging in my mind. And taking my mind off the stress of everyday life. I have other hobbies such as agate hunting. With the gate hunting, I found myself getting frustrated because I could not find any gates and it's eventually become a headache. And trying to find them, then they were worth it. But it, cooking, but with cooking, I can always find what I'm looking for and it, it's not frustrating when trying to find little pebbles in the sand. I know many people will disagree when I was... When I say... Cooking is a skill that is essential in reducing your stress level. But it works for me, but it also enables me to expand my, expand my cooking abilities and makes me better for, for cooking. And a great cook is always trying to find the new ways to make cooking fun and stimulating the Good cooking doesn't always come naturally, but when skills and your other talents or perfected strengths, such as cooking, can be fun or even a hobby. Good cooking is something that takes time and skill, and cook, good cooking can be frustrated. But don't be rushed, otherwise the food does not come out the way it's supposed to be. That's it. Just like Vika, share ko lang din. Growing up, I always found myself in the kitchen, whether I was helping my mother or trying to sneak in samples from what she was making 
I was right there in the heart of what would become more than just a hobby. My mother taught me at a young age the basics of cooking and cooking methods, which eventually cultivated into a full-on passion as I advanced in my techniques. In dry heat cooking, this method uses roasting, broiling, or some deep frying, and this type of cooking method involves oils and fats such as bacon or lard. One way I would remember this method was to remember the saying, oil and water don't mix even though fat and oil can take liquid form. It is still the opposite water. Therefore, reminding us that this method is dry with this type of cooking kasi using high heat and typically involved. During the cooking process, the heat is then transferred to the dish without the use of any moisture. Temperatures of 300 degrees Fahrenheit or hotter is where you want your dish cooking at with this method. In moist cooking, this method uses steaming, poaching, simmering, stewing, and braising. And this type of cooking method involves cooking with moisture through steam, water, wine, stock, or some other liquids. Well, I began my culinary journey and I learned all different types of cooking method recipes and eventually get into baking as well. I explored many different island flavors in fusion while I stayed in Hawaii. This exploration led me to not only want to gain culinary experience but I'm also gain a formal educational background in culinary arts and patisserie and baking. I'm well aware that I don't necessarily need to go to school to be a great chef but I would like to have the formal education as well as the Experience again. I hope one day I open my own restaurant and pastry shop in Hawaii. And now, let me ask you a question. For you, what should be the national dish of the Philippines? In my opinion, Sinigang should be the national dish of the Philippines. Wanna know why? Because Sinigang is a Filipino soup or stew that characterized by its sour and savory taste. It is most often associated with tamarind or some palak in Filipino. Although it can use other sour fruits and leaves as the souring agent, it is one of the most popular dishes in the Philippine cuisine. Sinigang is a sour tasting originating from the Philippines. It is usually served as a main dish with rice. And this dish is called sinigang because 
that specific word means too, which is exactly what the dish is. This too can be helpful for a sore throat or even in a cold night to keep you warm. Sinigang is often assumed as the national Filipino because it is being cooked mostly during a normal day, but it can be also be cooked during occasions such as birthdays, anniversaries, or anything you would be willing to celebrate. It is also often being cooked as a welcome meal to all visitors, the Uba. And what I know why Sinigang is so popular among Filipinos because Sinigang is marked as a Filipino comfort food. Like what I've said, it helps to cool the body during the hot conditions due to the tangy taste. There are many variations of fish and it can be prepared in any way. We have different kind of sinigang. We have meat or fish and the main ingredient of sinigang is meat, vegetables, tamarind, fish sauce, onions or siling mahaba then and tomatoes let us share to you the ingredients that is needed to make a sinigang vocally jennifer will share you all the ingredients that is needed and what they are you will find it this time jennifer so Today, I'm gonna teach you how to cook sinigang and get ready for the ingredients. We have 2 pounds pork spare ribs cut into 2 inch pieces, 8 cups of water, 2 large tomatoes, quartered, 1 medium onion peeled and quartered, 2 tablespoons fish sauce, 6 pieces of gabi peeled and half depending on size. 16-inch radish or labanos peeled and sliced into 1-inch or half-inch thick half round. 2-inch chilies or yung siling haba. Uh, Half-bunch long beans or sitaw and trim and cut into 3-inch. 1-egg plant and trim and slide to half-inch thick half rounds. 6 pieces of okra. 15 large tamarind or 1.5 or 1.5 oz packaged tamarind base powder and salt and pepper to taste 1 bunch uh, bok choy or what we call pet chai and trim so to cook you first Rinse pork ribs and drain well. Second, in a pot over medium heat, combine pork and enough water to cover. Bring to a boil, skim scum, and accumulates on top. Once broth clears, and add tomatoes and fish sauce. Lower heat and simmer for about one to one and a half hour, or until the meat is tender. Adding Add uh, some water or more water as necessary to maintain about 8 cups. Then you add gabi and cook for about 4 to 6 minutes until it tender. Then add chili pepper and radish and continue to simmer for about 2 to 3 minutes. 
and add long beans and continue to cook for about 2 minutes. Add eggplant and okra and cook for another 1 to 2 minutes. If using packaged tamarind base, add to the pot and stir until completely dissolved. Reason and the season with salt and pepper to taste. And the last is you add bok choy or the pet chai and continue to cook for about 1 minute. And that's it if you're using a fresh tamarind naman. First, you're gonna wash tamarind and place it in the saucepan with a 1 cup of water. Bring to a boil and cook until soft and outer skins begin to burst. With the fork, mash the tamarind or the sampalok. In the fine mesh strainer, set over a bowl, pour tamarind and liquid. Continue to mash with the fork, returning some of the liquid into the strainer once or twice to fully extract the juice. And discard seeds and seeds and put the tamarind juice into a pot of sinigang. That's it. That's how you cook sinigang. Thank you. We know the Maui voyagers who originally landed in the Philippines used the vinegar and salt as a way of preserving food, keeping it inedible for longer. In the hot tropical climate on the islands, vinegar appears again and again in traditional recipes, dating back to the time for refrigeration. Filipinas were already preparing the protein in the marinade of vinegar salt before the Chinese traders arrived. Some of the Chinese traders who ventured all over the region selling their wares sold in the Philippines. They brought with them a number of ingredients that were quickly adopted by the locals including pancit noodles and soy sauce and in all that. In many parts of the Philippines, we all know about this, right? Soysas came to replace the use of salt in home kitchens. And soysas is still considered as the key ingredient of a good adult in most households. Now, when the Spaniards arrived, they saw how the Filipinos used vinegar to marinate their chicken, pork, and fish. The Spaniards' word at all refers to marinade or pickling sauce. In his writings, Pedro Vicente Buenaventura labeled the Filipino version adobo, the los naturales, or adobo of the natives. The name stuck. As each region of the Philippines has its own produce and preferred flavor of profile, there are different versions of adobo across the island, where seafood was plentiful, adobo and seed or squid adobo with squid ink became popular. In southern Luzon, where heat and coconut milk are popular ingredients, adobo or adobo with coconut milk and green finger chilies emerge. There are compass twists of adobo and around um, the Philippines you'll find a version that includes sugar, liver, potatoes, Morning glory, laurel leaves, and the list goes on. 
In recent years, Adobo has moved beyond its root as a humble island dish. The lighting dinners of the Filipino restaurant, the purple yum in New York, and even the affections of former U.S. President Barack Obama. Upcoming Filipino and chef shred the meat from Adobo's two degrees, savory flakes to the top salad for soft and sushi. Adobo's features and shows like Top Chefs and Wings, the ultimate test of any Filipino As at its heart, adobo is a process of cooking, not The tongue of the vinegar is softened over low heat, intensifying the flavors of the meat and creating silky mouth watering sauce that is always, always served with fragrant white rice. Adobo is long journey. Its melting cultures and ardent defenders all come together to tell a diverse and delicious story. And that's it for an additional information of why Adobo becomes the national dish of the Philippines. Now we're back. Now, why is it important for us to know our national dish? Of course, a national dish is an important title because it is a country food related identity, speaking to that country's culture. And not everyone is going to universal love and food and some may be more popular than the others. Now, it's an interesting fact that a national dish is a culinary dish that is strongly associated with a particular country. A dish can be considered as a national dish for a variety of reasons. The national dishes are part of nation's identity and self-image. According to Silkia Jenner, a lecturer on Latin American culture at Hofstra University, it is impossible to choose a single national dish, even unofficially, for countries such as Mexico, China, or India, because of their diverse ethnic populations and cultures. The cuisine of such countries simply cannot be represented by any single national dish. And furthermore, because the national dishes are so interwoven into a nation's sense of identity, strong emotions and conflicts can arise when trying to choose a country's national dish. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to tell you some sort of reasons why food is the best way to get to know a particular culture. Whether you consider yourself as a foodie or not, food is part of your daily routine. Also, food has a way of bringing people together. It is the focus of celebrations and casual get-togethers. George Bernard Shaw said it well, there is no love sincerer than the love of food. Often, the food that we eat has been passed down to us by generations that came over us. The food that our parents prepared for us when we were feeling sick is most probably the same that you are likely to prepare for yourself or your kids when feeling unwell. And when you find yourself traveling or living in other parts of the world, Making your traditional meals can be a great way to alleviate your homesickness. 
Famous chefs and bloggers alike have made their livelihood out of getting to know cultures through their foods. This is still crystalline speaking. Have you ever wondered what the food you eat every day can tell you about where you came from? Have you ever wondered why people from different parts of the world eat different types of food? Do you ever ask yourself why and why certain foods or culinary traditions are so important to your culture? There is more connection between food and culture than you might think. On an individual level, we grow up eating the food of our cultures, and it becomes a part of us, of who each of us are. Many of us associate food from our children with warm feelings and good memories, and it ties us to our families, holding a special and personal value of us. Food from our family often becomes the comfort food we seek as adults in times of frustration and stress. On a larger scale, food is an important part of our culture. Traditional cuisine is passed down from generation to next. It is also operated as an expression of cultural identity. Immigrants bring the food of their countries with them wherever they go and cooking traditional food is a way of preserving their culture when they move to new places. Continuing to make food from their culture for family meals is a symbol of pride, pride for their ethnicity and of means of coping with homesicknesses. And many often their own restaurants and serve traditional dishes too. However, the food does not remain exactly the same. For example, some ingredients needed to make a traditional dishes may not be rapidly available. So the taste and flavor can be different from the taste and flavor dishes that they would prefer and they prepare in their home countries. Additionally, when immigrants sell food in another country, they do not sell it to people from the same countries as them but to people from different countries. Therefore, they have to alter the, other, uh, the original dishes to cater to a wider range of customers with distinct tastes and flavor preferences. As the world becomes more globalized, it is easier to access cuisines from different cultures. We should embrace our heritage through our culture's food, but we should also become more informed about other cultures by trying their foods. It is important to remember that each dish has a special place in the culture to which it belongs, and is special to those who prepare it. Food is a portal into culture, and it should be treated as such. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Podcast. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. And stay tuned for next week, where we are going to have our next new episode. This is Crystalline speaking, together with Rika and Jennifer. Have a great day, everyone. And this is the first episode of Table Talk. 
the podcast of the national dance of the vote